You're listening to Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood on Gear 30 Radio. Sponsored by Striders Running. Striders Running, independently owned and operated by the Wojciechowski family. Striders guarantees first-class service. Visit Striders in either Ogden or Layton or online at stridersrunning.com. So welcome to the first edition of the Mr. Goodyear Show. I want to first of all thank John with Striders for coming to us with a a new show concept. So real quick, John, why don't you tell us about the Mr. Goodyear Show? Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood. Uh, Again, I think we talked about this a little last time if you listened in, but Miles Goodyear, just a quick history lesson, which is really ironic because my... Uh, history teacher even to this day tells me I was the worst student ever so (laughs) it's not good that I'm here giving a history lesson to everybody but Miles Goodyear was the original beer I'm calling him the original Ogden Mountain Man because he came over from Connecticut as an orphan and uh, as and came over here to trap fur and that industry you know was when everybody came over to trap fur kind of got scarce so he loved the area, wanted to stay, and built Fort Benaventure. And shortly thereafter, he uh, he sold the land and the property to James Brown, which I think was a colonel. Anyway, he was with the LDS Church, and then uh, you know he bought Fort Benaventure on behalf of the church, and eventually they named it after Peter Skeen Ogden. That's right. I noticed they had. An article in the paper about him the other day with the inaccuracies on his uh, I saw that. monument. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I kind of read that sweating a little bit. Oh, man, I hope I'm not getting my history wrong. <laughs> Get a bunch of fourth graders coming at me. <laughs> you don't want that. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sweet. So the idea here is, uh, I mean, he set the tone for Ogden. He did. Absolutely, he yeah. did. And we're so. a mountain town with mountain people. Owned and operated. Owned and operated. That's right. By mountain people. Maybe that's our tagline right there. I think I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll have a, the, diff- the plan is to have some different guests on that are Ogden-centric and uh, have some history here, some ties to Ogden. Yeah. As you know, Ogden is just full of great personalities and people that make the city what it is and uh, very diverse and uh, that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring on Brian Nicholson as our first author because basically Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood is me ripping off his I Am Ogden book just in a podcast form. So, Brian, I thank you for that. No problem. The uh, the, $2, the $2 we might make on this will give you a 50-cent royalty. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> but, yeah, Brian is the... Uh, he is the original person that actually come up with this concept and you know, hopefully uh, you and I can do some justice. Hope so. Yeah. We're excited though. Mr. Goodyear's neighborhood. I'm happy to be here. Well, Brian, I got, I got up the other morning and I thought, what can I ask Brian? What can we talk about? And I jotted down almost uh, three pages of notes. So I hope you're ready. I'm ready. If you've never been on the witness stand <laughs> and cross-examined, well, I have had to sit in front of Bill Allred a couple of times, so it's giving me some... Uh, <laughs> oh, Bill Allred. Did you... Hair. Let's just jump into this. Uh, I see the Ogden is Awesome shirt that Bill's wearing in your I Am Ogden book, and I actually have one on right now, too. Nice. Good style. Is you this good, you, too? Did you come up with this as well? No, or? no, no. That was produced by a, a company in Salt Lake, 
Um, they did uh, lots of like Utah themed T-shirts, uh, and I can't remember the name that they go that they went by at the time. But um, no, they produced it, and it was fairly popular. And Bill had his shirt long before uh, you know. And then he just happened to wear it to the photo shoot because he knew the book was about Ogden. So and it just blew up that after that. Yeah, and so then we got, and then I ended up selling them for quite a while, you know, wholesaling them or retailing them or whatever. Sure. And then I couldn't manage it, so I, um, Susie Daly up at Grounds for Coffee now keeps keeps them um, keeps them moving. Yeah, that's where I got mine. Oh, good. Yeah, I had to have her hold a size for me because it was only extra small she had for a while. So yeah. Well, let's rewind a little bit. Tell us a little bit about Brian. Did you grow? So, are you from Utah? Where'd you grow up? Well, I grew up in. Well, I was born at the McKay Hospital that they just tore down a couple of years ago, and, and uh, then five after five years of living in Washington Terrace area, I my parents moved to Bountiful, and I went to high school at Viewmont, and then uh-huh. uh, went to college at Weber State. And what year did you graduate at Viewmont? What year? Yeah. Uh, 87. 87, okay. I, uh, the only reason I ask is, um, and it's a sore topic with me, but my senior year as a wrestler, I went undefeated up until the state championship hey, match. Hey, Viewmont was good at wrestling. You know, and I then. lost to a freaking Viewmont Viking. <laughs> what was his name? Do you remember? Lee Malstead. Oh, yeah. I run into his dad all the time. His dad is, uh, he works for the TSA over there at the airport. So every time I have to fly... He reminds me of that match. <laughs> <laughs> well, as recently I, as last week when I dropped my son off, he... He, he was out there, huh? He was out there, yeah. He brings it up. But nice. We've tried to schedule a rematch, but, you know, Lee's a Marine now, and he's like 250 pounds of pure muscle, so it wouldn't even be <laughs> close, but... And what are you, 230 of pure muscle? What's, yeah. You only got like... <laughs> 230 of pure mountain flab, Mary. <laughs> All right, sorry. So Viewmont High School, and then uh, well, I came up to Weber State for college, but I didn't I didn't really spend much time in Weber County. I crossed the line there at the canyon, went to school, and immediately headed back south. And so um, it wasn't until I worked, uh, I got a job at the Standard Examiner as a photographer. Started out as an internship, and then ended up being there for seven years after that. After Weber, after yeah, after I yeah, and so photography wasn't really an interest. It was an interest as a hobby. But somebody mentioned to me once I should you know that I should take the signpost class, which would give me an elective credit um and uh, let me shoot pictures for the paper give me all my film and chemistry all for free you know essentially because i was producing uh, photographs for the paper and that's where my love of photography took off and so the person i worked for my my uh when i was at the signpost ended up at the standard examiner and, and he was instrumental his name's steve conlin he was instrumental in getting me on at the the standard examiner so it worked out quite well steve conlin's a local businessman that started the uh, the underground yeah that's uh, correct uh, distillery oh we yeah. tie it all together in the good. five wives vodka yeah yeah i love steve you should have him on next <laughs> yeah <laughs> he should bring uh, gifts with him too huh yeah uh, let's start a trend i brought you some books so okay so you graduate you graduated weber uh did a little work with the signpost and so tell me how does one become a photographer is it it, to me, it seems more like an inherent skill versus something you can just take a class and become well at. That's an interesting point. I didn't actually take any 
I took one basic photography class two years into Weber, and actually it was a quarter. I'd ta- I'd, I left and went up to the U, and I started going to the U after I got an associate's degree. Mm-hmm. And then I ended up back at Weber, but it was only really one class in basic photography. And so, um, but you ask what would inspire somebody to get in photography, and it's because they've either been drinking heavily or they're not <laughs> thinking clearly. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, it's been a great run and a great career. It's uh, it's uh, it beats working for a living, as they say. And so, um, but no, I started out with I was really hungry and I wanted to try all kinds of new. I wanted to try anything and everything I could to make make great pictures. And so, um, that's See, what sort of launched my career at the Standard Examiner. See, now I need to make a public apology to Brian because I first met Brian of course he would come in and buy some shoes from me and the Boston Classic I think he bought like 20 pairs before they discontinued that shoe but Brian came in with a couple of pictures one of a fellow running in a tuxedo at the Moab half marathon awesome and another one of Paul Pilkington um, running on Washington during the uh, the mile race that used to happen here on Pioneer Day before the rodeo and, uh, you know, Brian wanted to work out a deal for, you know, pictures and shoes. And I made this stupid comment about, well, how hard is it to take a picture <laughs> until I tried it, tried to be a good fit. And it's hard. It's it is hard. hard. Yeah, it takes practice. It's technical. It's a lot more technical than I ever imagined. And I've, you know, I had kids so I could become a photographer. And I don't have one good picture of my kids that I have taken. <laughs> Oh, I, I bet that's not true. Yeah, I was going to say, I bet I don't believe that. <laughs> so, how, so, so it is a skill. I mean, it's an inherent skill that you either have or you don't. Well, it's, uh, with the digital cameras that they have these days, it certainly has reduced the learning curve quite a bit. Because mm-hmm. it used to be with film, you would have to shoot some pictures, send them into the lab, wait a day. Or I guess you could process them yourself like we did with black and white. And then you look at them, and, and if you were if you were conscious enough to remember what your settings were when you shot the picture, you could go back and try and make the same picture and adjust your settings. Well, now, of course, you can adjust your settings right as soon as you look at the camera. And in fact, I've shot digital photography now since about uh, just before the Olympics came. And I'm sort of getting to the point where I want to go back to shooting film. It seems like there's something magical about film. And uh, so, so yeah, so the learning curve has gotten a lot better and... Um, People are making great pictures. Uh, the, the inherent skill and talent that it takes to be a photographer, in my opinion, is the ability to see light and the ability to antip- anticipate a moment. And, um, you know, because as a journalist, of course, those, those moments is what you're looking for to be a great photojournalist. And being able to compose it in beautiful lighting situations obviously creates the perfect storm for, a, for a great pictures. So It's funny you mentioned the... Uh you know, the digital part versus, uh, you know, developing your own, you know, I like, I like music and I like bands that, you know, release music on vinyl, uh-huh. um, just because it's something more real and tangible. Uh, so yeah, speak to that a little bit. I mean, why, why, why develop your own pictures in a red room versus just snapping um, it on a, I think it's about the art uh, aspect of it. In fact, I had like when, when everybody started going digital, it was like a great time for photography because you could, it was just a, this amazing thing. You could now, you wouldn't have to go back to the 
we all we all thought as journalists, as photojournalists, we all thought it was amazing that you could just go out on an assignment with your laptop, shoot a picture, send it in, and they've got it on their desk, and you don't even have to process your film. You don't have to, you know, you could you could get more done. You could get, experiment more. There was all these positives, and those are still there. But then, just recently, in looking back at that sort of time where you you shot film, you 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 went out on three assignments, usually in the first half of your shift, and the second half of your shift, you were sp- you spent processing the film and scanning them into the computer and things like that. Well, those days were also sort of magical. You could you could you spent a lot of time hanging out with your colleagues and getting their feedback on your pictures because everybody was soup and film. Souping is a technical term, like a, I don't know. They put your film in the developer. <laughs> the it's called souping your film. <laughs> so anyway, so you're all, you're all there waiting for your film to come out and you're just hanging out and talking and talking photography, looking at magazines, ch- checking out other people's work and things like that. You don't have any of that now. The photographer's, the photojournalist's job right now is a lonely, lonely job. Because what they do is they get into the office, even if they go into the office at all, they'll get their assignments on their phone, either emailed to them or whatever whatever happens, or they'll look on the their their company's system, whatever whatever it is. They'll go shoot one assignment or two maybe, then they'll rush to some place that has an internet connection, or they'll use their hotspot on their phone or whatever. They'll sit down right where they are, right in the very place they shot the photo, quickly type up their captions, edit their photos, type up their captions, send their photos, and then they're off to the next assignment, and then when they're done, they drive home. And you, you don't see a single person from the office. You don't see, sometimes you'll see a photographer from the competition, you know, the other newspapers, and you get to talk to them a little bit, but that's about it. That's, as, you know, so there's hardly any collaboration with your staff or anything. Wow. It's kind of, it's kind of you know, so there's, there's, as with anything, there's pros and cons to it, to it all, you know. So <clears throat> the pros obviously outweigh the cons because website, you know, with the immediacy of the news, you have a picture on a website, you know, gosh, 15 minutes after it was photographed. If, if you, like we have, there's the technology exists now. You take a picture on, the, on your camera, tag it, push a button on your camera, it will send it to your phone automatically you can caption it if you want on your phone or else email it to your editor he can caption it and it can be online in five minutes so instant yeah um so what is your take on you know selfies and instagram and you know (laughs) iphone photos that are everywhere i i thought of you the first person i thought of was you when i saw that um iphone commercial where you get people running and you know different settings taking picture with their iphone and then you know iphone the you know, the most used camera out there? Well, it is the most used camera out there, but it's certainly not the most used professional camera out there. Um, a lot... I, uh, Have you it, taken a selfie, Brian? I've, I've, <laughs> I've taken a couple, but I certainly haven't taken as many selfies as most people. I'm not a... First not of as all, many as my 12-year-old daughter. First of all, it's good you're talking to me on a radio podcast because <laughs> I have the face for radio. But... Uh, <clears throat> And certainly the haircut for radio, <laughs> but I I think the iPhone there's there's a lot of good uh, even good journalism that comes from iPhones, but it's but it's only you know like that Boston Mar- you know speaking of running and Boston Marathon bombing and all the photographs that came from people's phones yeah you know that's journalism really 
it's not it's not photographed by trained journalists and it still has to be verified by people who are trained journalists because in the in the one of the other drawbacks of digital photography is the instant ability to alter or change or you know change the content of the photograph which is grounds for anybody's termination if they do that in fact i just read a story just the other day of an ap photographer who lost his job because he decided to to clone out or remove a a camera, the, like a video camera, that was a really obscure object in the back of a photograph from Syria. So he's hmm. now unemployed just because of that really small detail of, of removing that camera. So, wow. so as far as the iPhones are concerned, I think you know it's a great tool, and I've used it before. I've actually had a photograph published in the in the Standard Examiner of an, from my iPhone. For, of the tour of Utah. I just happened to be lucky and catch it with the right timing, but that's all it is really is being lucky. If I had my professional gear, it would all have been very deliberate and I would have had way more images I could have used. But Yeah. Well, um, I've been on your website and I've seen a lot of your work and you seem to have a great eye for athletic events. Um, what is your favorite thing to photograph or your favorite setting to, uh, to photograph? It's funny you say that. And have it's you done any nudes? Events. Have you done any nudes? <laughs> Uh, I don't do nudes. No, I did have one. I was just kidding. A couple of people have asked me, but I, you know, you know, that's the first thing people think. The thing is, I don't have a good eye for that, and I'm not very talented with that. I have no idea what I would have no idea what to do. It wouldn't be my uh, strong suit. So, but as far as uh, my favorite thing to shoot is what you say is athletic events. I, I, I one of the reasons for that is sort of what got me into it at the at the signpost is I loved shooting the Weber State games and stuff. Um, but another reason is it's, it's that those players don't, even though they know you're there, they don't do anything differently just for you. It's like still capturing real moments. And a lot of people would argue that sporting events are sort of like, um, plays or, you know, any other kind of entertainment, which it, which it really is. But in my, you know, and so. And so people are sort of on stage, but you capture some really awesome, pure moments in sports. And so that's sort of what got me into it, and that's really what I enjoy photographing the most. That said, there also is a lot of other things that, you know, if you're a good sports photographer, it helps you in other things like an intense news situation where stuff is breaking and things are happening around you, and you have to kind of be right there and have the right timing. But... Um, the most meaningful photographs certainly aren't sports photographs. They're the, the meaningful things that affect people's lives and being able to document somebody's life in either struggle or pure joy is really where great photography is. And so I, I would say sports is sort of my, uh, I don't know, that's kind of what keeps me dry, you know, driven and in, in, in the business. But the more meaningful photographs are probably some other ones that I've taken, like news news type stuff. Yeah. Well, you're a bit of an athlete yourself. I want to get into the I Am Ogden book, but um, he, he, Brian has turned into one heck of a run. I know you ran the Utah Grand Slam last year, which uh-huh. tell us about that a little bit. Well, it was – I actually was – kind of surprised i got to the end of that last race at st george and i pr'd there it was a great day to pr so brandon a, if you don't know the utah grand slam is this, it's five marathon is it five marathons four, four four marathons and it starts with ogden so what four marathons did you run they last change year? every year but this last year it was the the four the four marathons were the ogden marathon the 
Ta- uh, I'm sorry, the the one in Provo, the Utah oh, Valley. Oh, yeah, Utah Marathon. Valley. And then Park City and then St. George. So those were – and usually they have the top of Utah one in there somewhere, but uh, that wasn't in last year. So anyway um, – I was kind of shocked to get to the finish line uh, and find out that I had got a third place in my age group from the, from, the, from the slam. I knew I did pretty well in the first two races, but the Park City Marathon just killed me. So I was for sure out of the running, and I wasn't even going for any prize or anything. I was just trying to do my best. And Anyway, they handed me this little thing <laughs> at the end that said, great job, third place. And yeah, congratulations. Group, so. That's huge. That's a big accomplishment. Thanks. When I first met Brian, he was just getting into it like a four-hour marathoner. But, I mean, you've qualified and ran Boston. And mm-hmm. I want to say your average uh, finishing time in the Utah Grand Slam is just three hours and some change. Uh, about 3.30, I would say. Yeah, that's pretty well, good. Well, actually, yeah. last year my average was less because I did two 3.20 races and then a 3.10, and then Park City was in the 3.45 range. Now, did I read somewhere, someone told me you ran on the Great Wall of China. Did I, where did I hear that? Um, I, I did go to China, and we lived there for six months, but I didn't actually run any races on the Great Wall. I, I, I almost signed up for the Great Wall Marathon, but we decided to come home before it. Before it um, okay. But I did run the Beijing Marathon. Maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. But they let you run the wall for the Great Wall Marathon? Uh, they, yeah, only, only parts of it yeah. because it's, um, only parts of it are restored to completely to make it safe enough to walk. Sure. Like in some places, it's just a Rubble. five, yeah, r- like a three or four foot mound of dirt that kind of follows a little thing so um but they do have a a great wall marathon it's more of a it's it's uh hosted by like a travel company so it's more uh an effort to get people to go there and travel to china and then in they target marathoners to run the and so you run like three laps and uh three times you run on a stretch of like two miles of the of the great wall so still be fun yeah, I think it would yeah. be great. Yeah, and I've seen you, – you, you've taken some pictures from China that are very moving, if you ever check out his website. Yeah. So, way cool. You are listening to Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood on Gear 30 Radio, sponsored by Striders Running. Striders Running, independently owned and operated by the Wojciechowski family. Striders guarantees first-class service. Visit Striders in either Ogden or Layton or online at stridersrunning.com. What are you running in now since the since Adidas dropped the Boston class? He literally, <laughs> I, I, I gave him a heads up. I gave him like a year heads up. Said Brian, they're gonna discontinue this shoe. But I, kept, I, kept, I still kept finding him everywhere. I still kept. I would go down to Wasatch. Hey, do you got any Boston classics size eleven? Yeah, I think we got one. I'll give it to you for two dollars. Well, I know I didn't have any size tens or tens and a half because you took them all. Well, but. I wear yes, yeah, so I do a size eleven. But yeah, so the, I so I bought your your two <laughs> pair left or whatever. Well, I'm running in some Brooks uh, Ghost. They felt oh, yeah. the most close to it. So yeah, that's a good shoe. All right, so back to uh, back to your professional life. So you've done some work for the Standard Examiner and the Des News, I know, and mm-hmm. then um, and then you decided you wanted to do this uh, community portrait of Ogden. How did how did you come up with that idea? Um, well, I um, I I looked at. I remember seeing some work from Richard Avedon, and he's a, a brilliant photographer, a portrait photographer in New York, and I think he's recently died, but um, he did some some work similar to this that 
were basically people on a white backdrop. So that was sort of a loose, you know. His, his um, subjects were way more focused, though. I, I think he was looking for one specific group of people. Uh, uh, the, book, the book was called uh, In the American West. Hmm. And so, uh, but so I, I thought of that, and I thought, hey, that'd be cool to do a book. Maybe I could do one like, sort of like that, but just kind of, and just, because Ogden's got a lot of character, and... Um, and this idea came to you 2007, um, 2008? I think it was after we got back from China, and I was, um, yeah, I think I started it in 2008, and the book, probably early 2008, and the book came out 2009 in May, so it was about a year and a half. And so I started, I thought, you know, I know a lot of people from, this, from working at the paper, I'll just call some people and just we'll see if it even develops into a book at all. And so I just, I, I called like five people I knew, and I, I called the, I talked to the union station people, and they let me go down there and just set up my backdrop if nothing was going on, you know. So I'd set up down there, and I'd call a bunch of people. So I'd call five, five or ten people each time, and of those five or ten, maybe seven, five to seven would show up, and then in the meantime, other people would walk through, or they would be eating at the restaurant and whatever. So I just photographed that, hey, I'm doing this book. And after I got about you know, 10 or 15 or 20 good pictures. I, I printed them up in a, like, 11 by 11, you know, sample book. Say, this is kind of what it might look like if I do decide, whatever. And every time I took pictures, people kept saying, hey, you really ought to get so-and-so. He ought to be in this book. <laughs> oh, and you ought to talk to this guy. He ought to do it. And how about this person over here? So I, I started uh, adding to the list and adding to the list because initially I really just wanted to focus on some really unique characters, people with a lot of history or story in their face, you know, that you could just look at and go, man, that guy or woman or whatever has been places and she's got a story to tell. But it ended up being, hey, it ended up being this thing about Ogden, though. So I, it's not just, you know, it's just about everybody. So This kind of took a life of its own, it sounds like. It, it sort of did. And so it evolved from this this art project that I wanted to just pr- take pictures and be in total control of who, put, who I put in there or who I even photographed. But it ended up being like, you know what? I actually could probably, if I could try and get one person from every demographic I could possibly imagine in Ogden, that would be like show a personality of a city and so that's and that's what it ended up being and so i wanted to try and find i don't know rich folks poor folks business owners artists musicians you've I got mean, you have some big names in here i mean you have you know lindquist marcourt Eccles, donaldson godfrey allen bishop dirks and then you filled in the gaps with you know business owners and drifters you know, pregnant high school girls, uh, you know, media folks and coaches and community activists. And it, it's a piece of art. It really is. And in in the years it's been out, it's just gotten better with age. It's it's really amazing. Um, has there been any thank you? Has there been any thought on your end about doing like a companion piece or just let it speak for itself or and let it, just let it lie? You know, I've I've. Because I look through the book and I, I think, oh, this person's not with us anymore. Or this person's, you know, changed his or her direction in their life. And, it, you know, it, and I think it's, the book is great because of that. Because it gets you thinking about the different people that are in there. And Well, I've thought about doing a second one. Um, maybe I am 
also Ogden? I mean, I don't know what you would call it. <laughs> I am Ogden too. I'm Ogden. Uh, yeah. <laughs> also, <laughs> and a lot of people have said, well, hey, when are you going to do the next one? When are you going to do the next one? And I don't know if I will. And it would probably be um, a one in a thousand chance that I would do another one just like this. But I have thought that wouldn't it be awesome in maybe like 10 years to go back and try and find, even just if I find 25% of the people in this book, put their original photograph in and then what they look like yeah. in 10 or 15 years yeah. and do a side-by-side -side comparison. And that, that has some interest for me, but at the same time, it was a really, really expensive venture. I was going to say, you've made like $2 million on this No, thing? no. I, <laughs> I, I might have broken even. I, I, I've broken even. I you self-published it. Yeah, self-published it. Got some sponsors, it, maybe. It got, yeah, I got about a third of it paid for with sponsors, which was good, but... Even that uh, two-thirds I had to come up with was a really huge amount of money. And so I, I think we've, I mean, based on a, a bunch of, I don't know, I, 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 I'm sure it's broken even and it's paid for itself. And when I realized that it had paid for itself, I sort of started dropping the price drastically. And so mm -hmm. I just really wanted them to get out there into the community. The last thing anybody wants is to produce something that nobody looks at. And so I knew that if I dropped the price, more people would pick it up and it would be shared more often and be enjoyed. And so now they're on sale most places for five, between five and $10. So is it still in print or you're just selling? Yeah, I have uh so you're still actively printing the book? No, no, no. no. It was only a, a one-time print job. So, so how many, uh, I printed about 2000. Wow. And I have about 150 left. So if, uh, Tyler Burns over there wanted to go buy a copy, where can he go pick one up? Well, we have two boxes here. I guess you can buy one here at Gear <laughs> Thirty. Buy one from you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you can buy them. the The most, uh, the most, I would say the the best retailer. I don't know. You could say that the the most supportive person has been Susie Daly at Grounds for Coffee up on Thirtieth. Yeah, she's sold them a lot. Also, the Queen Bee, uh, Haley Zanger, down there next to Great Harvest on Twenty Fifth, and and Sadie Clifford or Sadie. Sadie, who owns the 25th Street Grounds for Coffee, has been really great to put them in her shop. And so those guys, those guys you can still pick them up at those places. And the book gets uh, the most manhandled at the Sonora Grill we talked yes, about earlier. Yes, the Sonora Grill was a huge... They More people saw the, the book at Sonora Grill than I can even count on. People come up to me from all over. Hey, I saw that book that you did at Sonora Grill. And so they've gone through three or four copies of, of beat-up books. Uh, so who is your favorite portrait and the most difficult portrait to take? And then maybe to follow up with that, what's the one portrait you wanted to get but couldn't? That's, those are three interesting questions. I don't think Told I have you, it's, a, it's third degree, man. <laughs> I, I don't think I have a favorite, although I do, I do like, I printed 50 of them up for a show that, we you know a show that we did and so out of those 50 i would say those 50 were the 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 favorites that i had but there's one in here i think it's on i can't remember what page it's around 180 something there's three triplets uh uh three three kids and i met them down at the the uh, youth impact and um is that the place on Kiesel? Yeah, yeah, just right behind the, uh, the 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 baseball diamond there, and and those three kids were so cool. They they just looked, and I just I wanted to get some kids from Youth Impact, of course, and so I went down there. Here they are. 
Their names are Jameer Jalil and Taylor Wiley. And at the time I photographed them, they were 11 years old. And, you know, they didn't know what the heck I was doing, I'm sure. <laughs> you just went down there. I and just went down there. <laughs> yeah. And luckily, they, the, the Youth Impact has a policy of giving, uh, making, not making, but asking for photo releases to anybody who joins their club. And so the, everybody already had a photo release. And so I thought, I'll just, you know, grab a few kids I think might fit this project. The baseball player, there's three, three guys playing baseball, too, that I really like. But that, that, was a, that was a cool portrait. I also really love the picture I, I got of a guy named Paul Tafoya. And that was, that, there was a guy referred to me by Carolyn Brierley, who uh, used to be the community. Yeah, she just retired. Yeah, she just retired yeah. as community events coordinator. She says, you got to go up and talk to the guy who's been digging graves at the Ogden Cemetery for 30 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, you want to thank one person for pulling off the Ogden Marathon the last 12, 13 years. Talk to Carolyn. She's been there from since the beginning, yeah. before Thank Goal you, had it. Yeah. So anyway, so those are some that come to mind, but there's obviously uh, tons of them. And, and really, it's not about the one portrait. It's about the whole, the whole portrait. In fact, the biggest criticism, which I think is really not my favorite criticism of the book, it, it makes me kind of sad, is I would be at the uh, farmer's market selling these, and people would come up, yeah, well, I'd buy a copy of that book if my picture were in it. And I was uh, like, well, you know, I appreciate that, and your picture should probably be in it because you're probably part of Ogden. But it was really more about the community. And I, if, if, I, if I could pot- photograph 90,000 or whoever, however many people are in Ogden <laughs> right now and put them in a book, I'd do it. Yeah. But there's no way to do that. And you so didn't I have got, enough I time to, to get, do that? Come yeah, on, jeez. I, I know, right? <laughs> and so... And so I tried to get, that's why I tried to get at least one person from every demographic. You know, I was like, well, what, you know, so I'd ask him, well, what, what group of people do you represent? And she was like, well, I'm a stay at home mom or whatever. I was like, yeah, there. I, got, I got one in there. Yeah. That's you. That's essentially who's representing your group or whatever, you know? So. Well, I got to tell you my favorite portrait in this whole book and it might be the best picture i've ever seen period is of uh, little audrey audrey coleman oh yeah well that's got a story behind it, it i i was gonna say there must be a story behind it because i've never been around audrey without it turning into a, an epic story <laughs> she was one person that i honestly had considered trying to make a few of the pages in the book uh color pages because <laughs> her you know she has the bright red hair and she was wearing a bright yellow out, uh, jacket and blue gloves and so her story was interesting because I, I had chosen a different picture to put in there and I went down and she, she said well do you care if I look at one the picture before you put it in and usually I wouldn't do that but she was nice enough so I went and showed her the you know I went and showed her the pictures and she would not have it the one that I chose okay. so I went through with her which one she liked and she chose the one that's in there and so and no arguing right well, she was threatening maybe uh, to be, you know, she was, it was kind of uncomfortable, but I says whatever, because either picture shows her personality, so. Great picture. Well, she picked the right one. She was clapping and singing a song when I took that picture, so. Well, she, I wondered. Yeah, she was, I don't know if I can find the picture, but yeah. We'll get her on the show so Brandon can have a full dose of little Audrey. <laughs> How do you know Stu McGinnis? You know, I knew Stu because uh, he bought, I don't even know if this league still exists, but there used to be a, 
an Ogden semi-pro football league. And he, was it the Rhino Raiders? The Rhino Raiders. Rhino I played Raiders. for Stu for two years on the Rhino Raiders, and then he traded me to the, uh, to the Davis Vipers for um, a case of Coors Light. You got traded for <laughs> beer? I got traded for beer. Not even good beer. <laughs> I love Stu, though. Yeah, so he was just a guy that I, I knew his, his – uh, he was coaching a little league team with a guy, a friend of mine, Mark Allen. And so I asked Mark, hey, I need to get some little league players in, in the book. So, and I wanted them to have Ogden on their jersey, and that was the team that was Ogden. So I called him, and I went down and took his picture, and it was like – and so Stu was there. He was just a cool guy and started talking to me about his NFL career. Did you yeah. know he played for uh, – I don't know if he played, Seahawks. but he was with the Seahawks. Seahawks, yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. That's a popular wished, team right now. I bet, yeah, I bet he wished the, he was with them right now. Yeah, huh? yeah. big fullback too. Yeah. So anyway, so I shot him. I was like, hey, why not? I'll get his picture in there too. So it ended up being pretty good. So, so those bikers from Angelo's bar, how did how'd you do that? Well, that was also a tough sell because I – you know, I'm – I'm this uh, skinny little Mormon guy, you know, and I walk into this biker bar and I'm like, just uh, like, home. I'm like, uh, and luckily, you know, as a journalist, you, you don't get too scared of too many things or at least, you know, you know, when you know what, what your limits are. And so I walked in there and I was like, Hey, I'm doing this project on this book. And there was a lot of, a little bit of pushback, even for me to just meet the owner of, of Angelo's. But finally I got to meet the owner and I says, this is what I'm doing. And would you guys like to be represented in this book as some of your guys? And so they were, they were, they were, you know, it took a couple of times, but I went, went in there and there was 10 or 15, you know, guys who, who, uh, they patch you in, they patch you in the club. uh, I'm not in their club. (laughs) But what's funny is as I'm, I set up my white backdrop in this, in this, in the side of this bar, they had to move a pool table out of the way or something. And so I set this up, and I'm, and I'm looking. I'm taking pictures of somebody. I think it might have been the guy who owns it. I can't remember his name. Was it? It's not Angelo, but it's um, Anthony. I think his name's Anthony. Uh, I think you're right. Yeah. Anyway, so I'm taking his picture, and I keep looking at him. And he starts laughing every every couple couple minutes. You know, he's just start laughing. And he's looking behind me, and so finally I turn around and look behind me, and it's one of these biker uh, women lifting up her shirt. And so, there you go. I got my picture. So you have yeah, taken nudes. I haven't shot the picture, but I, I, that was the main, uh, you know, I guess it got this guy relaxed, I suppose, or whatever. So Yeah, whatever it takes. Yeah. Well, you got everybody. Um, a couple other pictures that I really like. One is of uh, Marcy Korginski. You know, she uh, at the time I don't know if she was the uh, police chief. I know she, she was, was the a, assistant chief. Yeah. Or no, she might have been a lieutenant at the time. Marcy's the only um, lady I know that can look tough and elegant at the same time. Yeah, no, she was a good. She was, and she's been a great friend since that time. And you know, working at the at the newspaper, you get to know sort of some of the official people that we at the police station. So these, uh, you got a lot of politicians and business leaders. I mean, how did did you just call them up and say, "Hey, I want to take your picture. This is a project I'm doing." And uh, that and they, that's pretty much it. I would go and talk to them. If I couldn't talk to them, I would talk to their secretary and ask them to talk to the person. There she is, right there. Yeah, so it looks like in this picture she's a lieutenant, so she wasn't a police chief at the time. But anyway, so like, for example, getting uh, John Lindquist's picture, mm-hmm. I, 
I I try to call them and I and fi- and you know I called and 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 initially didn't get a, you know they weren't everybody was a little suspicious not not suspicious necessarily but wary of what I was doing and what what it was for and but they they I scheduled an appointment with them down at Union Station and they showed up and then. But some people I would call and call and, you know, two or three times and finally I was about to give up and I'd run into them somewhere when I was shooting and I'd be like, oh, hey, you're here for your picture, right? And they'd be <laughs> like, uh, you know, yeah, sure. Since I, you know, they didn't have any reason not to just come and stand in front of the backdrop for a minute. Uh, there were some people that turned me down and uh, one person I photographed who's actually on the cover ended up not agreeing to be in the book which was fine uh but i think i think he's sort of regretted that since the book's come out and become so popular yeah um but like Stuart um um spencer eccles was another mm-hmm. one yeah that i had to go in and i talked to the lady and i even had to leave the sample book for her there and finally he was like yeah you know because he's a proud ogden tiger and yeah. so he he agreed and ended up uh, helping me sponsor it as well. So you got the then mayor at the time, Matt Godfrey, mm-hmm. uh, Velma Sanders, ninety nine years old. Is she the oldest one in the book? She from the is, Marshall White and Center. She is actually still alive. She's uh, like one hundred and four now. Wow! And she still works up one day a week up at the United Way. She volunteers up there at their. Thing. She's one hundred and four. She established the Marshall White Center. Is that right? Uh, or I helped? think she was instrumental in it. Yeah. And then she worked at the uh, the the Weber County Commissioner's Office for like yeah thirty, 30 years, years or something. Yeah. yeah. And she's still. She's oh yeah, still Velma's nice. a great lady, and she's pretty well alert too. I mean, for her age, you would think. <laughs> and Bernie Diamond, he and um, Bob Marcourt, you know, they started MTC, the Management Training Corporation. Mm-hmm. I worked for MTC at the Job Corps at Clearfield as a security guard, you know, that give us jeeps to, you know, patrol the grounds and, you know, just, you know, watch the students. And Bernie used to like to come out and ride around with the, uh, you know, the, what did he call us, the rent-a-cops. And <laughs> it was pretty funny. Nice. You are listening to Mr. Goodyear's Neighborhood on Gear 30 Radio, sponsored by Striders Running. Striders Running, independently owned and operated by the Wojciechowski family. Striders guarantees first-class service. Visit Striders in either Ogden or Layton or online at stridersrunning.com. Another one of my favorite pictures. I hope you don't care me. I, no, there's go this, ahead. Some of these I really like, but um, and I don't know him, and I hope I don't pronounce his name wrong, but Troy Lee Dersh. Uh, you label him as a stay-at-home dad, and the picture is hilarious because you know his hair is a little disheveled, and he's got a t-shirt on, like he just got done trying to you know get the kids cleaned up after uh, after breakfast or something. You know, it's like, I, yeah, yeah. That's why I went and got a job as soon as we. <laughs> yeah, no. So I I think he was just there for the Union Station tour because he has one of those gold stickers on his shirt in the picture. So he was just there with his. Uh, I think it was his wife and daughter, but she worked and he stayed home. So I don't, some people, I didn't know what to put underneath their name. Like there was this girl who walked in and once I started talking to her, I was like, you've got to be in this book because you are Ogden, even though you, this is the first time you've stepped foot in Ogden. And what she did was she just, she had just arrived the night before on a box car. Oh, you're kidding. Yeah. So 
uh, I noticed like she has some spider tattoos on the calves of her feet, of her legs. And so I was like, hey, tell me about your tattoo, blah, blah, blah. So we started talking. And she's like, oh, yeah, I just rode the train in, the freight train from, uh, I think it was um, Baltimore, not Baltimore, somewhere in the Midwest. Uh, anyway, she just rode in on the train. I was like, you know what, that's... That's Ogden. Yeah, yeah, you've got a few drifters on there, and I made a note of one. He's on 289, Terry Dolbear. He looks like the happiest guy on the planet, like not a care in the world. Yeah, I, I think I ran into him at the municipal uh, building. Uh, I was taking pictures of Anthony Vargas, who owns the Costeños Taco Stand. Just here and, in Washington? Uh-huh. Yeah. And, and so this guy, Terry, was just there walking by, watching me take pictures of, uh, of, the, of, of Anthony. And I was like, hey, you want me to take your picture too? And I, and I always walked around with uh, model releases, and he signed it right there. And, yeah, he, he was a pretty happy guy. I don't know. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, right there. Look at that. Yeah. Look at that, Brandon. Doesn't it look like the must- happiest it was his guy. Mustache. Not a care in the world. <laughs> it was his mustache that uh, caught me, you know, that took, made me interested in that. So. Yeah. And you have a lot of photographs of judges in here, so I don't know if there's anything else for me to know, but you know a lot of judges. <laughs> no, just, well, I wanted to get some judges because that's part of the demographic. So I called, uh, I called one guy. I called the court, r- courthouse, and I was like, tell me about... Is there a way I can get a photograph of a judge? It doesn't matter which one. Maybe one that's been there the longest. So that was when I got Judge West. Mm-hmm. I think. But then I was, I was doing some pictures of some, this group that meets every week, I think, or every month at the Athenian. And there happened to be another judge there. Uh, Dutson was uh, in there because he just met with them. So I got two, two judges. Maybe I got a third. I don't know. Uh, yeah, maybe it's just two. <laughs> it's more than I know, though. Well, I do know one. Oh wait! Uh, Not on a professional. Jim Beasley is one. Yeah, yeah, maybe he was a he was a circuit court. Anyway, I thought you had a retired one or two yeah, yeah. in there too, but um, you've read this book pretty well, there. I love this book. I'm telling, you, it's a different experience every time I go through it, and you know, like I said, it's just getting better as it gets older, and I love it. I really do. You know, we've had it in the shop for a while, and I just took it home because. I just enjoy it more when I don't have people bugging me. But I'll wake up in the morning and drink my coffee and just look through the book. And like I said, it's, I discover something new about it every time. I mean, I really love it. Like, you know, like the other day, I, uh, yeah, Father Charles Cummings is in the book. <laughs> <laughs> and I didn't know he was um, a man of the cloth. I, you know, I first met him at the old Gold's Gym. And even before then, it was a Deseret Gym and then the Total Fitness Center owned by uh, Gary and Peggy Nelson. And the first time I saw him, I mean, this guy is super fit, super felt. And I thought maybe he's like a professional triathlete or something. And then I come to find out later, he's, you know, he's a father, he's a priest. And I still hear that, you know, he works out the Gold's Gym here and still is as fit as ever. Well, he insisted. I was like, don't you want to be in your like robes and something or other? He insisted on being in his workout clothes. So I was like, awesome. okay, what do you want? Yeah. He'll beat the devil out of you. Yes, <laughs> literally. Yeah. Very last page, you got Mark Adams, who of course you know helped found. No kidding, Gear, Gear Thirty. 30 yeah. yeah, Mark Adams. Look at him. He, I mean, he uh, he looks young. I mean, it looks like he uh, <laughs> he looks so old now. That's well, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, now. Oh, he, yeah, there you go. He's got the got the golf. Now I mean, you know he'd have an ice 
ice pick in his hand. See, now. he looks like his CEO here, and I've never seen him in a suit and tie, but now I see him. He looks like a real life mountain climber. So. He does, yeah. He's he's getting out and and getting out a lot these days. So, and the last page in your book is Amy Nicholson and your family. That must have been your favorite one to take. Uh, it was it was a good one, yeah, for sure. Um, Today's your wedding anniversary. Today oh, is my happy anniversary. anniversary. Yeah, 15 years. That, that's so. quite the accomplishment for Amy, I bet. Yeah, she's <laughs> had to put up with a lot. She's an angel, that's for sure. And we had uh, 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 my youngest daughter is sort of a bun in the oven in that picture. She wasn't. Uh, she was born about the same time these books arrived at my house. So they both arrived about the same the same month anyway. And so she couldn't be in the in the book. But so four kids now. Yeah, four, four kids. kids. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, so how many pictures total in this book? I think there's uh, about four. Let's see. Well, I think there's about 420 pictures in there. Well, the different, editing different process beat. was brutal on that. Yeah. And, you know, that's that's another uh, that's another that was one of the hardest things that I did with the whole project is trying to figure out. Did you have help for that, or is that Yeah, no, I had help. A guy from the Deseret News, a good friend of mine named Keith Johnson, helped me edit down. And he would have probably edited more and more because, but I, you know, I just had to, you know, I just couldn't put, I had like six or 700 people. And I couldn't just put, I couldn't couldn't put them all in there. It was getting to be too expensive. It originally started out as like a 150-page book. Now it's like 328 pages or something like that. So I just had to edit edit some out and it were just it wasn't for any other reason except the either there was already somebody that represented your demographic and I thought that picture looked bad you know or or the the photo editor Keith he he would say you know what this is you know he would give me perspective on things that I didn't consider and then of course I had the final say I guess but um, it was really tough to try and figure out who to edit out because I meet them in you know, I still see them in the community, and it's not it's not it's, it's not uncomfortable. But I just think yeah. oh, I wish I could have gotten you in there. You know, how so. did the uh, I've seen the uh, the Ogden horse? Did you do that, or how did that come about? And how did I end up on the butt of that horse? I don't think you're on the butt. Are you on the butt? <laughs> the butt or the? It's because you said it was easy to take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> just just kidding. No, Does that so, thing still exist? It used to be over there at Slackwater. Yeah, I thought it was uh, Slackwater. But it they was move a around, water for they? the for the summertime. I put it over at that at Brian Smith's store called oh, Old, Only in Ogden. Only in Ogden. Yeah. It's, it's there for the winter, and I'll probably bring it out to Slackwater again. They've been a really great supporter. Yeah. So well, Brian's a photographer too. Mm-hmm. You guys just must geek out when it comes a little bit. Well, yeah. he he's he has a different way different style than I do, and um, um, and so I don't think we you know. We've been hired for similar events, you know. Sometimes I'll get hired for an event he covered last yeah. year, or vice versa. And so we sort of compete, but not really. Uh, I've been plenty busy, and I'm sure he's been plenty busy too. So yeah, I saw that you submitted a video, um, a, a video job to the standard exam, the Fat Bike Summit. So you're getting into uh, to that now too a little bit, huh? Yeah. Well, the standard is really changing their focus quite a bit. Yeah. They're publishing a lot of videos now, and so by necessity or by, you know, if I want to be, uh, if I want to compete in that market, I got to figure out how to do a video. And so I've been shooting some videos and for them, and um, and so that's been. Uh, I don't think Brian does video much. Um, uh, I think he usually hires it out yeah probably hires that out and so 
how is the paper doing? You know, I know it's... I, from what I can guess, I'm just on the outside looking in nowadays because I'm just freelancing for them. But it seems like they're doing really well, and there's a lot more excitement there. New uh, editor there? Sounds like Yeah, new, new publisher, actually. Okay. So, publisher's got some really great ideas, and he's got a lot of energy and enthusiasm. And, he, and in some cases, the paper's grown. And even though they laid off uh, or they put Cal Grandal on a contract basis and laid mm-hmm. off a few people recently, I, th- I think they're... Just trying to tweak it and make it more, you know, make it a, uh, a product that's going to be viable in the future. Sure. You still doing some work for the Des News? Uh, a little bit, but they... they um, Deseret News, I should say. Yeah, the Deseret <laughs> yeah. News. Yeah. They, 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 um, their model is a little bit more... Um, they try and get a lot of their content for free from people who would just happy to be published. Oh, just and so I can't afford to work for free, so... I got a bunch of selfies I can send them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those you are going for big bucks, selfies. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, Brandon, you have any any questions? Yeah, Brian, I was, uh, I'm actually, I have to admit, I'm fascinated uh, as a recent grad from Weber State, photo minor, English major. My The idea behind that was to be a, a journalist in the outdoors and ended up as the marketer here and found out quickly that if you can take a decent photograph, it works well for marketing, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, everybody wants to see that image. And so, and I also know that when uh, I was in some photography classes, they pulled up, there's a group, I guess, out of Salt Lake that collects some of the best images of the photojournalists take throughout the year. Oh, yeah. Um, and just wanted to quick comment on that if you were ever a part of that or know anything about what was it called? the collection I can't remember it's now, called utahphotojournalism.com uh, might be it sounds good yeah, no, I, I'm a contrib- I, yeah, I contribute often to that yeah. site, actually. And I, but I, I saw those, and I thought, okay, well, where's this? I don't see any of this stuff. And, like, where's this getting published? You know, so because a lot of times we just see the newspapers online, and now, like you said, it's going to video, and it seems like the aesthetics have gone away. It's now just, were you there to get the picture? Did we get the picture up? Okay, next. And, and the whole meaning behind the, the actual image is lost. Well, utahphotojournalism.com is one of the many awesome projects put together by Trent Nelson. He works for the Tribune. And I'm not sure if that's the project you're referring to. Sounds like it, though. But, uh, but yeah, so that was initially a forum-type area, blog, whatever you call it, where all the photojournalists along the Wasatch Front could just, uh, you know, submit stuff of their favorite stuff and put it out there for people to look at and it would be a like a community online community gathering where if you you shoot something you're proud of or shoot something you're you're disgusted with and you just you know you can put anything out there you want to get feedback or whatever and then after a while some of the really hardcore professionals who've got a lot of talent kind of stopped public stopped for whatever reason maybe they just got too busy with the you know the digital you know, that, that phenomenon I explained earlier where you just don't have time to do anything but go shoot, transmit, shoot, transmit, shoot, transmit, go home, you mm-hmm. know. And so I think, uh, and so Trent decided to just take juried submissions. He would have, you you know what, if you have something to share, send it to me and I'll decide if I want to put it up. And so that's where it was recently. Now he's actually invited a lot of other photographers back onto the site who can post stuff up. So I've been putting things up there quite a bit, but... Um, that the reason why you don't see those in newspapers or even on their online sites because online these days is all controlled by it's the whole landscape has changed. Not you don't have a photo editor anymore that's in charge of 
the photo editor still is sort of in charge of putting in the paper, what goes in the paper. But they, the online is a whole other thing, and whoever writes the code and whoever, it's really just a random thing of what picture shows up first on the page. And I think it's kind of a tragedy that you don't open up a website and see, bam, a huge photo for your lead story. Yeah. You see a bunch of a bunch of headlines and some sort of thumbnail style photos next to them, and those drive traffic. I mean, sure, you you like you go on the Des News site, and there's a list on there of like uh, six stories on the left hand side, I guess, and their their photographs, whatever goes with that story, kind of scrolls through a smaller win, you know, uh, what I would consider a medium sized window, and so that's I guess sort of good, but really, wouldn't it be great with with the technology we have to just display photos huge on on because really that that kind of artwork i think is sort of not necessarily going away but it's getting so diluted now newspapers who are online online are only looking for clicks page views right and so right. instead of just taking like 10 great you know putting up your best three pictures and then a gallery of maybe 10 others like we used to do with you know now it's like, shoot, send me your best 100, 100 pictures. We want 100 pictures so that people watching a BYU game or reading the coverage about that will click through every single picture, and that's 100 clicks from one person. So it's kind of get, getting diluted. So in, amongst that 100 pictures, you'll find some really great jewels and some amazing pictures in there, but you know they're not putting them right up front. Right. So, which is well, it's great bad. to hear you're going back to film. Uh, I'd follow some photographers, some local, some professional, some not, who I who are also doing, going back to film because I feel like that is a bit more respectful now. They actually know how to do it, and and where everyone just with a digital camera feels like and some time, you know, take a few family photos, and all of a sudden it's. You know your name, Photography Inc., and there you go. So yeah, no, there's a ton more uh, photographers out there that are trying to drum up work. In fact, some people have recently come to me and said, even though it didn't really materialize, but a lot of people have come and said, you know what? I've I've tried photography and it's just, it's just you can't. It's so I can't get business. So if anybody calls me, I'm going to just send them to you. You know. Mm. So there's sort of closing up shops, some of them, I guess, but. Which is, you know, I, th I still think, you know, despite how diluted the industry bit gets or more as competitive as it gets, I really feel like people should still be out there trying to be the best photographer they can, whether it's a hobbyist. Trying to make money at it is really, really tough. And I'll be honest, it's, it's a tough, tough business to try and make money. But at the same time, if you have talent and you have an eye for those things I mentioned earlier, you know, you have a, a, a knack for getting the timing right, on a situation or, or seeing light in a beautiful way, then I think you'll still have a future in photography. Who's the guy in Park City that has a couple of stores and he sells uh, wildlife photos? Oh, yeah. there's He's in Jackson, too, that, I think. That, is that Tom Till? Uh, Mangles. Mangelson? Mangelson. That sounds, yeah. And it's like polar bear dancing and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got to have a long lens and, and patience or... That's kind of stuff, I guess. Thanks, Brian, for coming down to the show. It's our first one. We hope to, to, you know, do the book some respect by continuing this. And and John, this is going to be awesome. I'm looking forward to 
the new show here. Yeah, the book is I Am Ogden, a community portrait by Brian Nicholson. Uh, they can get it here at Gear 30, at Striders. Uh, remind me where else we can get it. Uh, Grounds for Grounds Coffee. Grounds for Coffee up on Harrison. You have a couple of websites, and I want you to give us, give us uh, those. My main website is Nicholson Photography. Nicholsonphoto.com and Nicholson is spelled N-I-C-H-O-L-S-O-N so Nicholsonphoto.com or you can also go to Ogdenbook.com and you're for hire for events and oh of course yeah weddings divorces whatever <laughs> yeah I, I, really if I get hired to do a divorce I'd be my first one that's yeah. for sure but, but no I'll, uh, I, 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 I probably my specialty would be probably uh, journalism storytelling marketing type photography uh, stuff like that but yeah I'll do weddings and I'm doing a wedding and several weddings this year so good yeah well congratulations anything we can do for you any predictions on the super bowl um i think uh i wish the niners were in frankly but usually if i go it would have been a really tough sell if, if the niners were playing the broncos because those are two teams that i would probably prefer be you know have success because they're the closest ones and yeah, yeah the niners yeah. has a lot of ties with the byu with steve young and Sure. Or with Utah, rather, with Alex Smith and Steve Young. But, but no, I think, I think I'd go with the Broncos. Peyton Manning, do you think he'll retire after if he uh, wins? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Doubt it. At least you have an opinion. I've asked a lot of runners coming through the shop today about the Super Bowl, and half of them are like, I don't care. Really, that surprises me because Broncos are huge in Utah. They are. Yeah. But yeah, I can't. It's Broncos or die. For a lot of people, <laughs> not for me. A lot of the, horse heads on arms and the back of trucks. Yeah, I, I don't like Broncos fan necessarily, but I kind of want I want Peyton to get one. Do we have time so. for quick Broncos? My brother Brad is a big Broncos fan, and you know they had lost all those Super Bowls, and they were finally, you know, had a good chance of winning one. But my brother had to go on a mission. He was going to miss what he thought was going to be the Broncos' first. Know, Super Bowl victory, and it was, but he was going to miss it because he was going to Brazil. So when he went up, um, and you're LDS, so you know how they do, uh, you know, the farewells, you know, the missionaries right. go up and they talk, and his whole talk was about the Denver Broncos and John Elway is going to win the Super Bowl, and, you know, please, you know, bless them, and, you know, bless me, and, yeah. you know, bless all yes. the Bronco fans yes. because they're finally going to get a victory, and, yes. and they did. And that's what... That's why they won. So yeah, yeah well, must we'll be. Think they are a different breed. I will agree <laughs> there. So anyway, thanks, Brian. You're welcome. Thanks, thanks, thanks Brian. Brandon.